0: Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles, that you're isolated and alone, like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. hello and welcome back my friend and this week i'm just totally ecstatic so dr anthony balduzzi is my guest this week and he and i have been talking over the last few months and man thanks goes out to uh dr Al <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for introducing us and uh man just totally one of those where you know you're grateful for being introduced and somebody just makes an amazing impact on your life So who is Dr. Baldusi? Well, Dr. A is, as I've called him, but also you can call him Anthony, and he is the founder of Fit Father and Fit Mother Projects, which I believe it's up to forty thousand or surpassed forty thousand families you've impacted now. Yeah, so he he has impacted tens of thousands of families, helping them to find their health and to just get back, you know, what so many of us throw away. So if you would. Please, please hang out with me today as I talk with Dr. Anthony Balduzzi. Anthony, how are you doing today, my friend? Very good. Awesome. Um, excited and grateful um, to be here. I know we're going to have some wonderful conversations. And so thanks. Hey, my pleasure. And it's, and it's great to connect because we've been, we've been talking over the last few months and there's been stuff going on on both sides of our lives. Yeah. And so to be able to connect is fantastic. Well, if we can, can we start out with where things are on the business side for you today?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, my team and I, we run two companies, the Fit Father Project and the Fit Mother Project. And the mission for those companies is to help busy moms and dads, particularly those in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who are balancing work and and life and and also want to be healthy into the back half of life. We help those people lose weight, build muscle, start taking the right kind of supplements, get the right mindset so they can be strong and healthy for themselves and their families. And it's really amazing work because as stuff we're going to talk about in this conversation, I'm sure I've been into personal development in in some way, shape or form for a large part of my life. And what I've come to realize is that for most people, especially in the back half of life, improving one's health can be just the, the best springboard for a renewed lease on life. We help people who feel like, they maybe are in a rut, they've gained weight, they're taking prescription medications, they're seeing their parents start to break down and deteriorate, and they're like, I don't wanna get there. We help people turn that around. Strategies on nutrition, sleep, exercise, but also through community, camaraderie, accountability, coaching. And I'm just really grateful to be in the position running these companies now. You know, It started off as a small website with a single guy blogging for years without anyone paying attention, and now it's kind of steamrolled into this amazing community and i want to see just very excited and curious about how far we can take this thing how many more families we can impact and i'm just grateful to be in this position right now to my job is to have amazing conversations and
0: and talk about stuff i love so i'm kind of pinching myself in a way yeah and the stories like that you share over on like your youtube channel and the podcast you know fit father project dude so amazing because like i think back to jeff And it wasn't just that he lost weight, but like you talked about, it's transforming his family's life. He talked about having dinner with his, his teenage kids over dinner and they're not being the phone. I'm like, okay, well that's like a win, 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 you know? (laughs) So it's, it's the tie-in in in these is so amazing. So let's jump over to like the personal side. What does that look like for you today?
1: Well, you know, it's funny enough. I run the Fit Father Project. I'm not quite forty yet. I'm a younger guy, and we'll get into some of that. And the re- and we'll get into the reason why I started these companies as well. But I think the big personal update is my wife and I are expecting our first kid.
0: Dude, um, congratulations!
1: Baby girl, due in March. And I know life is going to change for a beautiful way, and I'm hundred percent ready for it and excited. So I, I think that would be the big personal life update. And the other the other big personal life update would be that. I recently went through um, a pretty intense surgery and procedure to lengthen my right leg. And the reason I did this is because I had a, a skiing accident five years ago where I almost lost my leg and it healed up, but the leg healed up short. And I had a vision when my wife was pregnant that I wanted to be in my backyard on my grass with bare feet, two equal legs, holding my baby girl. And so I ended up going through this surgery to lengthen my right leg. And so we can, if you're curious, we can talk about that in time too, about what it takes to lengthen an adult bone and the cool stuff that happened, happened there. But that's the personal stuff, you know, business and personal for me are are very much blended. You know, I work with many of my people who are now friends, people I work with feel like family and besides, you know, growing the baby and, and
0: growing my femur, this is what we've been doing. Well, let's jump off with the femur and talk from there, man. So you just had that done. I mean, that was a month ago. I think you came back from the recovery Mm -hmm. of that. Like what, what was it that like occurred and what did that leave you with that you then said, Hey, I've got a daughter on the way. I want to be able to, to be that active dad, to participate, to be in the backyard playing with her. like, what, what was that journey like? So this is what I'm experiencing today is, is the, the repercussion and the
1: echoes of of past decisions I made when I was a a younger, racier man. I was in medical school at the time when the original injury happened. And I was taking a long weekend away to pop up to Durango, Colorado. I live in Arizona. Durango's not too far. And I went to go skiing with a buddy. And this is a a buddy. We've been skiing a lot together over the years. and, And I have a lot of years of skiing under my belt and we were getting after it, skiing hard and fast. And I remember early in this day, um. This was the first, the first day I'd skied of the year. We're just bombing down this hill and I, I kind of fly off something and land into this, this like little field of moguls. And I, I feel my leg and I'm like, Whoa, that was a close call. Like I should probably slow down and ski a little more casually. It was like almost like a warning sign. I feel like I tweaked my hamstring a little bit and it could have been a bad crash, but you know, I, I kind of ignored that sign and we continue skiing on the day. And it was probably a couple hours later, I'm bombing down this run. And there is a kind of like a head wall, which is like something you can ski. It's like a, it's like a very steep hill that if you were to stop, you could ski it. But if you were going as fast as I was at the time, which is very fast, I launch off this thing and not knowing the terrain, I'm flying. And it's one of those moments where really time feels like it slows down as you're just flying. And, and I land, it was probably 15 or 20 feet down and the skis blow off my feet. And I'm just tumbling. I had a helmet on, thank God, but I'm just getting thrashed. Boom, boom, boom. And as I'm rolling, I end up fl- flying into a tree and I slam into a tree with my femur and it snaps my leg backwards and sideways. And I kind of like come to and I'm in the bottom of this tree well with my leg backwards around this tree. And, you know, my arm is also broken. And thankfully, two people saw me crash and were able to like basically start to flag down the ski patrol. And it was a matter of like, is this guy going to lose his leg? Is he going to bleed out? Do we need a helicopter? I'm here talking to the podcast, so I didn't die, but I did have two surgeries, which, requi- which required putting a, a titanium rod in my femur and doing some reconstructive stuff. And it was an amazing journey that I went through to go through that first femur healing. But in the process of that, the leg healed up short. So I then had a short right leg and a longer left leg, which was okay. For many years, I would wear a lift. My wife got sick of it. I would wear like one sandal at home, only on the right foot, or a lift with two socks. You know, you find your methods. You know, for 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 going through that, and it was causing some back pain and some problems. And and when Paige got pregnant, my wife, I finally decided I want to get this fixed. And it turns out that there are surgeons that specialize in lengthening limbs, um, and they do it for people who have accidents like me. And they also do it for people who want to just cosmetically be taller. They'll break both your legs. And for a $100,000, you can gain some height. And what they do is they put a, they took my old rod out, which took a long time because these rods that were in the, they're in the middle of your bone in the middle. So they have to break the leg to get the rod out. And then they put a different rod in that has a magnet on it. And after about a week after surgery, after the bone starts to just consolidate a little bit, they give you a, a magnetic device. It looks like a, almost like a, like a, like a toaster, but it's got a big magnet on And you put that on your femur and you press a few buttons and it rotates a magnet that rotates the rod inside your femur and telescopes it and makes it longer. So you lengthen your like three times a day like this, just micro gains in, in, in length. And then over the course of, I was there probably for almost two months, you can, gain the gain the necessary gap so I came home and now I have two legs of equal length and um, I'm very grateful that the surgery went well but I'm more grateful for all the stuff I learned along the way of Mm. of the femur but yeah this is the reason we're finally getting to this podcast now is because I was like we're gonna do this and then uh, (laughs) be right back I gotta go
0: grow a femur yeah and man and just for those that may be listening and are like, what's the femur, that's the upper leg. So, I mean, you can imagine this is not just a snap of the finger, you know, flipping a light switch. This was something that over the course of, of time, you know, going in for the surgery and then having to lengthen it, that is a conscious and uh decision you have to be sold out for. So you said like, you know, you've got the two companies, you've got fit, fit mother project and fit father project. How did you get to the point that it's like, Hey, this is what I want to do. Like, what was a catalyst for that?
1: In a way, I think that this life path, I both chose it, but in many ways, I feel that it was kind of the hand I was dealt. And what I mean by that is, is growing up, my dad was sick. A lot of, a lot of my childhood, he had cancer And he ended up passing away when he was just 42. And I was nine at the time. And my little brother was six. And it was a tremendous experience. Like to have all the stuff that that happens when when one of your providers and your dad passes. Like to see the suffering he went through. To be grateful that he's no longer in pain. But to see your mom now be a widow. And you're the man of the house. And there's so much emotion around that. Well, what I discovered from a young age was that... I wanted to learn how to make my body strong because in my nine-year-old mind, if I could start to get myself healthier, the kind of stuff my dad went through wouldn't happen to me. And I also got a sense from an early age of mortality and the the preciousness of life. And that really shaped my mindset around the kinds of things I wanted to do. So I got serious about life. I I got serious about studying nutrition and and exercise. And my mom gifted me a pair of my dad's dumbbells and I started to do workouts and didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I was starting to build some momentum. And what I discovered through that process is as I exercised, I was healing. I was healing a a lot of emotional things with with my dad and the trauma around that. But I was also exerting a bit of control over my situation because I realized when everything else felt out of control, if I could eat a certain way and exercise a certain way, I could get a tangible output. I could get stronger. I could feel better. And in my mind, that was like a huge switch that flipped. And it's like, wow, I can actually affect this stuff. Through my will and my effort and my learning. And so that snowballed into a passion. Like, you know, as as I started doing this from when I was nine, when I got into high school, I ended up going to an all-boys Catholic high school. There's no girls. So what do you do? You try to gain some muscle and eat, eat some food. So that was like my, my hobby and passion. So I and I also started to gain some confidence because I was one of the stronger kids because I've been exercising since my dad's passing. And I think in that, the early confidence that I got from those experiences started to get me even more passionate about health and fitness. My friends are like, Hey man, like, how do I get a bicep like yours? And, and and so I start to give them some advice on, on how they can do these things. And that led me to personal training and ultimately into competitive bodybuilding, where I got so deep into how can you shape the body through intense regimentation and effort. And, and and those paths to kind of fast forward through some of the details led me to medical school. Naturopathic medical school is, is how I'm trained because I also learned from my bodybuilding experiences that food, sleep, exercise, proper supplementation are some of the most powerful tools possible to to reshape and create health. So I wanted to go deeper into a medicine that was based off of both prevention and, and holistic treatment and using these as as key treatment variables. And when I was in medical school, I saw so many people coming in who reminded me a lot of my dad, people who were just busy working to put food on the table. Health is on the back burner, struggling with different things. And and it really like it it hurt my heart, but it also gave me hope that like maybe there's something that I can do. And I kept on telling all my patients like the same kinds of things. You need to improve this type of stuff with your your lifestyle, with your lifestyle. So I'm like, man, I'm just going to develop a program for this. And maybe I can help people at scale with this. And those were the early seeds of what ultimately came the Fit Father Project. And, and as that gained momentum, you know, we had more guys who were like, hey, can you help my spouse? Can you help my sister? And so Fit Mother Project came on board. And, and now these, you know, for, for those that run companies, at a certain point, you can really relate to the fact that they take on a life of their own. Like, I mean, they're not like my companies. I kind of like, in a sense work for the companies, I'm like a steward of like the momentum of these communities. And and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm I'm eternally grateful for all the tough, challenging life experiences I've had, because in many ways I've been able to use them as fodder for personal transformation. But now in the phase of life where I'm in, it's more about service and be able to take all that stuff and, and be able to share it. So that's, that's the short of the version of, of how a young guy soon to be a father became like the fit
0: father guy. Well, and if I remember correctly, you were about three when your dad started experiencing some of the health problems and then at nine. So, I mean, you're talking like a six-year period. It's like you're watching your dad fight through, you know, you and your family are going through this. So, I mean, that's a lot of impression to have placed on you at such a young age. And you talked about like you're going through, you know, being nine, 10, 11, and then continuing to build muscle, you know, to, to work on your health and strengthen yourself Mm -hmm. was, was at that time, like how you were going through, like, how was your mom coming alongside of you in what she was doing to help grow and, and encourage you? Like, I'm assuming she was playing a pretty pivotal role as well. She was, but her healing was certainly not through
1: the medium of the body like mine was. Mm. My mom, my mom, I think for her, it threw her into big time survival mode for many years. I mean, you know, immediate widow, trying to take care of two boys, was effectively stay-at-home mom, now needs to find a way to make money. So my mom actually it's pretty amazing. We live in Arizona. So she would wake up early and she learned how to trade the stock market. So she became a day trader and she put food on the table you know trading stocks for a couple hours and then take us to school i think in many respects when i look back on that time period i was at a, almost like a perfect age like 10 9 10 11 where i could really relate and understand the situation and i remember like just lots of crying with my mom like crying in the closet you know holding her and i think we really grieved through the process together my younger brother nick didn't quite get it in the same way. When you're, when you're six, you know, he'd be asking like, you know, timeout, like when's dad coming home kind of questions. And, and seeing that impression was, was interesting on how the timing of certain events in our lives set us on different trajectories. Yeah. But my mom... Was very supportive when she saw that I had a passion for starting to get into this domain. It's like, yeah, all in. You know, she would buy me protein protein bars and and you know, do shopping for healthier foods. And when I told her, you know, around my twelfth birthday, I no longer wanted birthday cake. I wanted protein bars with candles. She was all in support of that. So I think that's one thing I will say: I had an amazing mom who continues to and has supported my passions. And I definitely wouldn't be here without that kind of love and investment. And I also say one other thing that I'm very grateful for is growing up without a dad, I was able to kind of make myself into, um, my own man. I, without knowing, you know, I knew my dad, but you don't know your dad too much when you're at certain, certain age, you know, I would know much differently. You know, if I were to have met him now, I knew he had a strong personality and probably would have shaped me in many ways with a, with a very much like a strong father influence. And I'm grateful that I had the ability to kind of just play and, and
0: develop myself with the fluidity of just my own experience so w- like with without your dad did you look to other men or were you like just kind of reading or or winging it or like what did it look like because i mean a lot of us will get like a negative passing on you know like mm-hmm. we'll pick up those negative patterns from our parents but you didn't have that pattern to pick up. So how did you, how did you gain like a healthy understanding of, Hey, this is what it's like to be a man. I'll say a couple things. I had some tremendous coaches through sports that ended up
1: feeling in many respects, like, like fathers. One was his name is Mr. Fernandez. Albert Fernandez was, was a middle school coach of mine. And he left such a huge impression on me. And I think in many respects, I imagine his mind felt like he was stepping up a little bit to fill roles for me in that respect. So I had other men that weren't My dad, but they were a father figure for me for sure, and through sports. And I also got lucky in that when my mom was healing, she started listening to a lot of personal development stuff. So she was throwing on the Tony Robbins audio tapes when we're driving in the car. And I was just kind of like absorbing this stuff and like, wow, I can create my destiny and shape my mindset and, and regain some personal power. Like, so in a way, it's just like that, that those became mentors. I remember early reading books like Think and Grow Rich and How to Win Friends and Influence People, these classic personal development texts really kind of shaped my mindset. And certainly the Tony Robbins audio tape. So I was getting good influence from a lot of a lot of areas. I had good friends. And and I w- was in good schools, and I can see how life would have perhaps turned out a lot differently if I didn't have a nurturing environment. And in fact, in many ways, I think I had the best of it. I had a very formative, powerful emotional experience with a supportive environment to enable me to grow. So I think it actually made me grow like a lot faster than than maybe I would have if I didn't
0: have this this deep emotional fodder from an early age. And so as you you've got all this support that's going on. And you're finding your confidence through, through like the weightlifting you talked to, you know, that kind of being the bodybuilding and everything. And if I remember correctly, like around 2012, you were junior heavyweight even. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us about like what that transition looked like and, and how kind of like bodybuilding played out for you? Yeah. You know, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was, it was a studious,
1: I was a studious good kid you know, I think because I was into weightlifting and fitness, what tends to happen is when you are into these things, it kind of translates into these, you're applying consistency, dedication, planning to other areas of your life. And I was a good student. I remember going to uh, my counselor like looking into where do I go to university and college. And and I, I said, I want to go to the best school you think I can get into that also has the nicest. And that ended up being the school that I picked, the University of Pennsylvania. And they had a bodybuilding show. And when I visited and walked around the campus, I told my mom, I'm going to win this bodybuilding show one day. And I want to come here and do this. And I ended up going to University of Pennsylvania. And I did end up winning the bodybuilding show, which was, was, was so cool to be able to see the seeds of the early training after my dad had passed had blossomed into like a passion and an expression. Like in many ways, when you, when you are a competitive bodybuilder, it is, it, you kind of view, you do view it as an art form where you have your own body as a canvas and you're using these different tools and variables to like shape it and make it look better. Um, and what was really beautiful about that is, is I, I, I would, I excelled. And it gave me confidence. Like I was actually pretty good at this. Like, uh, especially as a, as a young bodybuilder, you know, I had the opportunity to travel around, do shows and like all over the country and, and win some stuff. And I think that gave me an early sense of self, but what it also did. Is really strength and ego that was very tied to the physical. Cause when you're a bodybuilder, you're looking in the mirror all the time and you're looking at, you know, this bicep's a little smaller than this one. And I don't have quite this and that. And then then along comes, after competing for you know, 10 years, along comes this intense injury where I shatter my body, break my leg, and there was a massive deconstruction that happened there, like a release of a lot of that ego that I had built up. So when i when I reflect on that period, I reflect on with a lot of gratitude for all the stuff that I learned and all the, the the a lot of the stuff that is the basis of the Fit Father program I learned not just through medical school but through bodybuilding. If anyone knows how to manipulate their physique and lose weight and build muscle, it's bodybuilders. Like they're the true experts at the stuff. So I'm very grateful for that period of time and to what I learned and then being able to take that and make it realistic for like what I consider myself now an everyday person and how do you, you know, make it not as intense. That's that's really where the magic
0: is. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. So, and, and I mean, I've got friends that have, you know, dabbled in the bodybuilding aspect. And it's like, there's, there's a detachment, right. Where we're focused externally on what Mm -hmm. people can see, but we've got the deficit inside. I know you now as this man, who's connected on both, both sides, emotionally, mentally, and physically, Mm -hmm. and you're working on both of those back at like when you were bodybuilding was, was it kind of like, there was stuff that needed to be worked out that you've worked through now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think the, the least
1: spiritual part of my life, spiritual and emotionally connected was the years that I was bodybuilding. And I think it was because so much my attention and awareness was placed on this, this pursuit of, of externally shaping a body and on when you're judged in bodybuilding is on someone's subjective opinion of what your body effectively looks like. So you're you you have a mind that's very trained to look at these kinds of things and care about these kinds of things and at the same time with the unique intensity of that kind of type of experience you like you get a lot of positives and a lot of negatives and then i have this uh, other intense life phase through crash and healing that like was able to like shift up those negatives into like completely inward turning releasing connection to connection of of what the body looks like surrendering into healing and and deterioration and like the death cycle of, of our bodies and all these things. So it all worked out as it did. And maybe as even as it as it should, but I am certainly at a point now where I have internal and external harmony, I still lift weights, I'm far from the big hulking bodybuilder I used to be, but I am a fit, healthy man with two even legs who still has strength and mobility, um, and a beautiful mission family. So I, I like it. I think exploring and dabbling in the extreme sometimes for some people can help you return to a place of balance. And that certainly seems like that's been a theme in my life path.
0: And yeah, I can totally understand that. So like when you crashed was there like a struggle as far as like, Hey, who am I now? Because you're not able to compete. And I mean, if you had stayed focused on just how I look externally, like after that crash, your legs aren't at the same length. I mean, it's like, how how did you transition? Like, what did you go through from that point? There was a, there was, there was definitely a
1: subtle grieving process of, the fact that there was now su- like such intense trauma to the body that the stuff that i was able to do may not have even be possible into the future at the same time because it was such a serious accident humility was baked in from day 1 like the goal of relearning how to walk became like my new my new mountain and my my new pursuit in that and i will also say when your body is in intense pain and there's a lot of that type of sensation it immediately to 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 go through that type of experience with grace immediately trains your mind to become more meditative, where you're aware of your experience without necessarily like identifying with it, and you can experience sensations um, without attaching to them, and allowing them to have cause suffering. I was able to really understand that distinguish pain versus suffering. Lots of physical pain without resistance to that pain, so there wasn't as much suffering um, for me, and. I also, what I really found, and this is this is profound, and I just got to experience it again, being on crutches and all these things for the past several months, is what was really amazing is when I was, the original accident, I'm in a wheelchair with a broken leg and a broken arm, the amount of compassion I received from everyday people who, you know, your you're walk, your family members wheeling you into the grocery store, people are holding the door, asking you if they can get that stuff for you and, and striking up conversation. The amount of people I got to connect with as a byproduct of looking visibly maimed was so beautiful. And it opened my heart tremendously and got me out of this very selfish, self-driven, build the business, build the body mentality. And into one that was like connected far more heart-centered and far less attached to the physical structures and really seeing people for the beauty that lies so much deeper than just the skin, the bones, and the orientation of the flesh. So it it was fully a a spiritual experience for me. And what I think is actually interesting as I reflect is as I went to that Catholic boys school as a Jesuit school here in Arizona and Saint Ignatius of Loyola is a famous Jesuit priest that some people may know about, but he actually got started in, in, as a Jesuit after his leg got hit by a cannonball and he was laid up and he had a broken leg and he started reading Life of the Saints. And I think it was just, there's, there's all these kind of synchronicities and coincidences, if you will, and signs in your life. And I, it felt like that was meaningful to me. Like this, in a way, is kind of like my rebirth into the next version of Anthony and Anthony that was softer much more loving, uh, much more understanding and is far less
0: connected to the physical body. So like you talked about the difference between pain and suffering and discovering that what, what is the difference between pain and suffering? Because I mean, if you're like going, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of this situation. How, how does somebody determine which one they're in? The difference is, is one word it's resistance. Resistance causes suffering
1: pain is a sensation as much as light hitting our eyes is a sensation as much as you know a a good taste is a sensation pain is a a sensation of the body saying this is something that's happening now what we do and how we relate to that sensation dictates whether we're in acceptance or resistance i believe in my understanding those that suffer and certainly when i have suffered in the past is because you resist or you do not accept what is so for me, one of the biggest themes of, of healing, both emotionally and physically, was surrender. I had to first immediately accept, one, I made these choices. I had that warning sign on the ski hill where I could have stopped and I wouldn't have a metal leg. And I continued on. So you have to almost make make peace with the, the fact that the effects that you're experiencing are due to... Past actions, maybe it may be directly due to your cause, but in some cases, for many people, like not your cause, but you must accept exactly what is right now. That does not mean you need to be okay with it and you don't have desire to change it or to improve it, but you cannot be, you can be in at peace and surrender into the isness of every moment. I think that's kind of like where you're able to live in and more peace and presence. So then I'm able to observe pain without attaching to it. This is an experience I'm having and, and just invite more love. I think when there's like this clenching idea of, or suffering and I don't want this, I don't want this. Like where I was like, I fully, like I got into time and it wasn't immediate, but I fully accept this as something I have created. And in fact, I may even adopt the mentality of like, this is, this is all working for my benefit. And I think that's something that I a mindset that I I tried on early in life with my dad passed. It's like, what if I really believe that everything that happened to me was working for my benefit of unfolding into the greatest version of myself? And that that mindset certainly helped me when I was a young man, and 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 it just kind of reinvigorated that mindset that perhaps I lost a little bit being so focused on the external during bodybuilding and 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 brought that up, and so. I see this with our fit fathers and our fit mothers all the time. A lot of these transformations first start with a, a bit of surrender and acceptance into what the situation exactly is, and then
0: you can move into transformation from from that place of power. Yeah, it's it's hard to make change when you don't realize where you're at. And if you say, "Hey, no, I, I'm not in this place," it's like, "Well, how do you how do you create?" like a plan to get out of there, whether it's pain or obesity or, you know, emotional pain, like whatever, if you don't understand where you're at. And I think like what you've talked about, just, you know, being aware and then not fighting it because so much, I know this was something that I did. I was hyper-focused upon the pain and the situation and it just amplified it. And, you know, took me down even further from where I should have been. So in what you've been doing with over 40,000 families, like what, what patterns are you seeing that play out as far as like the people that are successful versus the, the, you know, the guys that are still struggling, they sit on the sideline or they start and they don't finish. Like what's, what's the key, you know, to, to get them to that different place. It's emotion. It's, it's emotion
1: in connection to what, what many people say is the why. I want to I talk about that because I think the people that struggle with their health consistently are the ones that are most focused on the tips, the tactics, the tools, the new diet, the next workout. Whereas in my understanding, all of these decisions we make ultimately have their root in some kind of value or emotion or you know or or vision maybe it's self-destructive maybe it's a proactive good behavior but it's rooted in some kind of feeling emotion or or vision our most successful members get extremely clear at the beginning of their journeys about why it's imperative for them to change their health now and what we ultimately do is we go through a process of journaling and creating a mission statement for change where we help to make the neuroassociations and connections between how their health influences all the other areas of their lives that they care about like what are your core values family integrity maybe it's making money maybe it's going to hit your bucket list whatever those are for every individual understanding how health affects all of those and start to make those neuroassociations. Why this is so important is because it's guaranteed that you're going to hit some kind of struggle in your routine. Something's going to happen that throws off that perfect workout routine. You get cravings late at night because you had a stressful day. Like all these things are inevitable. So once you have the emotional bedrock in, in the feeling about why this is important, you have more power, you have more willpower. So that's number one. It is it is having this emotional connection and be very, very clear. I think a mistake a lot of people make with their health is they often compartmentalize it. And they think that their health and their fitness is over here and the rest of their life is over here and they're separate things. And then you feel like you have to manage two things. And then the natural response is, oh, I don't have time for that. Right? That's the That's the mindset we hear. I don't have time for insert blank, prepping healthy food. X, Y, Z this, but once you start to collapse that distinction, you realize that we have these bodies. We take them no matter where we, wherever we go, the quality of energy and the presence and how good we feel in our bodies is, is ultimately dictates and colors our entire experience. And when we have the ability to see into the future through our parents, I actually think is a really good thing to see our parents age because you get to see, man, that's something that I don't want. And it creates an emotional trigger. in, in the other sense, this is the first key. Then the second key is developing a rhythmic system one that works for you mike that might be different than one that works for me the rhythms around when do you eat what are your go-to foods when do you make time for exercise it's about systems because we're very busy and if we have a system it enables us to be more consistent over the long haul and consistency is the name of the game. It's not about doing things for a few weeks and months. It's about how do we create something that's actually sustainable? So the emotion mixed with the system is why our fit fathers are so successful. And if someone listens to fit father podcasts that we have, and certainly the fit mother podcast coming soon, maybe out by the time this is released, it's about the combination of those two things. They're talking about why they're doing this. And they're talking about the routine that worked for them. And I
0: think you marry those two things and you have a very high chance of success. And so like what you're talking about sounds like, you know, like self-discovery, like you're testing, you're experimenting. Is that kind of along the lines of what you're talking about? Like where you may, you may be able to do some exercise that I might not be able to, and you're just kind of working through, but you're at least trying and experimenting. Is that right? That's part of it.
1: I I think when you're, when you're starting out on making a change as you know, intimately, it's very good to have a coach, someone who can be a guide and walk you through. So when people come into fit mother or fit father, they're often taking our system, like the guidelines that we've put out. And what they're doing is they're just whittling that down until it fits them perfectly. Like you take the whole thing and you're like, okay, this part works really well for me. This is what's going to work better for me. And ultimately you're creating something that fits Your life perfectly. Because I think a big problem in this whole health and fitness industry is it's all about tactics and gizmos, and you're trying to fit your life into the next thing. It's like now you're adapting your life to be the super keto, low carb versus thinking the other way about, okay, what are my natural pressures, systems, and things that are happening in my life with my family? And how can I adapt something to fit that? That the the subtle difference in mentality is what helps people develop a, a far less frictioned system so they actually
0: succeed. So what's the difference because I know like for myself and i I know other men where they're like, if this doesn't work out, then Chuck everything, like, how are you building up that resiliency, the, the persistence to stick with it? Because I mean that I'm assuming that's like the difference for those guys that finish versus the ones that start and quit and then continue that, that pattern of, of start, quit, start, quit. hmm well, health is all about managing momentum. It's about building
1: building it first, because when you're starting to get healthy, there's inertia. And the inertia is maybe the feelings of lack of energy and stress in the body, bad habits, et cetera. Like you have to break inertia. Rockets, when they go into space, need to have a lot of fire off the beginning to break the inertia versus gravity. And then once you have that momentum, you can be carried. So our philosophy and our strategy is to get very, Focused over a short period of time in 30 days to build a lot of momentum. Immersion experience. Like, we're really going to, you're going to take some time, you're going to read and learn, you're going to buy new foods, you're going to do some movement. And it's a very focused, and we're also having you in like effectively an incubator with other like minded people who are supporting you. So there's community support. First 30 days, very good. We have people write a 30 day goal because it's also easier to do something. with intensity over a short period of time than just being like, Oh, this is the year I'm going to get healthy. This is my new year's resolution. And then, you know, you in October has different plans because that's how stuff goes. So what we really do to get a little more tactical is I believe that the rhythms that we can do every single day, how do you manage your day? Every is the key to your health. So our fit fathers and our fit mothers do a couple things. They get up in the morning. The first thing they do is they rehydrate with quality water. 20 to 32 ounces, the body needs water. Then we help each of our members establish their meal timing setup. When are you eating your meals? Not which foods, but when. Structure is key because structure gives you the ability to be consistent every day. So even if you had like a bad meal the other day and you're like, ah, not feeling great. If you have a structure the next day that you can kind of slide back into, very great. Now for busy people, we're huge proponents of standardizing your first one, if not two meals of the day. Our members have go-to breakfasts. They often have go-to lunches. And what I mean by this is like consistent stuff that they love that's pretty much dialed in. You don't have to think about it. because when it comes to fitness success, you need to balance the keys of consistency with variety. If you're too consistent all the time and you have no fun, eventually that that burns out. But if you have too much variety and not enough consistency, then you make no traction. So our philosophy is we regiment those first two meals of the day. We give people more flexibility and simple ideas for dinner that work with their families. Um, and we also talk to people about the hierarchy of needs as it comes to getting the body healthy. Nutrition and sleep are far more important than exercise. Yet, people often think when I want to get healthy, you got to get into the gym and do some intense routine. If you haven't moved your body in many years and you're in your 50s and you have bad knees from football and your back kind of hurts from years of bending over, like the last thing that that you're going to need to do is some super intense exercise off the bat. But we, we, when you introduce some, slowly introduce some joint-friendly exercises, your body starts to have more energy, stuff can kind of snowball and build. So there's an age-appropriate aspect of this too that's really huge to our methodology. And if you sit too much, that's
0: the other thing. Right. <laughs> that's for sure. So as far as like you're helping them, it sounds like do a few things well mm-hmm. and from that gain traction. So yes, like we'll hear lots of times, Hey, I'm especially around January. Let's be honest. I'm going to do all these things right. and the traction gets lost. The momentum gets lost because there's such an overwhelm. You're yes. keeping it simple to gain that confidence. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. And the stuff we're focusing on are the
1: daily rhythms. It's the daily stuff. It's meal timing. It's being more consistent with that first meal of the day. Like if over a 30 day period, You get 30 training sessions in a sense of like dialing in your meal timing, like that develops a habit and a routine very quickly. And what you also find is when you start to focus on a structure and system first approach, it actually frees up time and mental energy and and you can do, you just have more bandwidth for other things. But yes, it's very focused on a few things early on to build momentum. And once you have momentum, you have a lot more energy to play with and you can do all sorts of different stuff. And the other cool thing is you dial in your nutrition and you start to, you know, sleep a little bit more and maybe go for a daily walk. You can lose 10, 15, 20 pounds in in a month. You know, we have members do this and and then that itself is a very motivating factor that gets
0: people to take things to the next level. And then do you see like for yourself and and the men that you're coaching, do they then branch off into like, you've talked about the routine in the morning, you know, like your, your morning habits, mm-hmm. your evening habits, are you seeing them then start to, to take steps in that direction to bring totally. about a holistic, totally hundred percent.
1: And now that you have this kind of this, this raw structure, you're starting to refine it and build on the stuff that's unique for you. So maybe someone has a prayer practice in the morning. Maybe someone is a morning workout person and that's their way of being restorative. It's about all each of us finding our unique rhythm that we can stick to. The one that's simple and sustainable, doesn't cause friction, works with our family, and, and, it, and it, in a sense too, is, has balance b- baked into it our members have free meals or cheat meals baked into their routine. It's not like they're never having these things. Our members drink on occasion if they enjoy alcohol. You need to bake a plan in that is able to to work and adapt. Like in nature the most rigid things break. You know, you can break that bark, but you can't break a piece of rubber. So you need strength, but you need like a little bit of play. And I think a really good system has that play built
0: in. Yeah. I totally make sense. Cause it's like, if you don't have flexibility, yes, you're in trouble. <laughs> yes. Life will, life
1: will handle that for you. And, and
0: you'll have to learn that lesson eventually. Yeah. Well, Anthony, I want to say, thank you, man, for, for jumping on here to share your journey, like the areas that you have, have found like, Hey, I'm going to learn this or where you, you know, then we're confronted by, oh, wow, I need to do this additional work and I need to have these habits. And now you're reaching out and helping other men to gain that confidence, to find their health and to transform their families. How can people reach out and connect with you? So our websites,
1: fitfatherproject.com, fitmotherproject.com are amazing resources. I would absolutely start there. I mean, the amount of videos, testimonials, articles, And free meal plans and workouts you can get on those websites are amazing. And also, if you're into YouTube, our Fit Mother and Fit Father Project YouTube channels are amazing resources. We have our podcasts. I think we have like 500 plus videos that get into like more tactical health and fitness stuff that we might have begun to talk about. All of that's on the YouTube channel as well. So websites, fitfatherproject.com, fitmotherproject.com, and YouTube are the best place to find us.
0: Fantastic, Anthony, my friend, I appreciate your time your openness on stuff, and then giving us a behind the scenes on how you're seeing success happen for other men. So thank you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. Helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode, and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.